Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Casual Footy Fan Podcast with me, the Casual Stoke Fan. And I'm joined by my co-host, the Casual City Fan. This week, I'll be discussing should the delayed offside flag be scrapped and how does the North London derby affect Tottenham and Arsenal's season? And I'll be talking about Sheffield, the sacking of their former manager and their howler against Leicester. And Everton are surprised by Burnley. So hello, welcome back to episode two. I hope there's some new listeners, some listeners to the first one. And speaking of listeners, I think it's worth mentioning that we have possibly <laughs> quite a high profile listener. Uh, some of you may be aware that last week, uh, or you discussed City fan Gabriel Jesus, and we said that he needs to do better this season to prove his worth. This week, he scored a goal. I think that says something. So Gabriel Jesus, if you're listening, I think it's fair to say we're both pleased to see your success and we wish you all the best. <laughs> but uh, casual City fan, offside rule, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to talk about the delayed offside flag, yeah. which has been quite a talking point after Rupert Issue, unfortunately, was, had a horrendous injury after a collision with Connor Cody's knee. And people say that if the flag was up, that incident wouldn't happen. Um, this has happened before in a couple of other games where you've had Slight injuries, not big ones, as this one. But that's the risk you run. But in my opinion, I believe that delayed offside flag is a good idea. And I have a couple of reasons why. It's because it has come good in the past. It also it makes VR's job more important. And it just helps the referees. Because obviously, it's hard to tell looking at your eye, human error is a thing, but with the technology, with looking back, you can tell if someone's offside. And that's what going back into play, because it's happened before where flag's gone up early, it turned out he's onside. If play would have carried on, would he have scored? Would that have affected the game? And that's the thing that this brings is that it does bring the aspect to the game where it lets things happen. So it turns out how it turned out, but then you can go always go back to AR and check if it was offside or not. What's yeah. your opinion? Well, I think first and foremost, I think we both wish Rupertisio well, obviously, and hopefully see him back between the sticks soon. I've not really done much research into this at all. Uh, and I'll say now that I don't think the delayed offside flag is the main problem with the current offside rule. I think it's where you measure offside from. That's a different debate. I think that I think we should trust the, the fourth officials, the linesmen. And I do feel that regardless of this injury, I think that... My main concern is it with it is when the ball doesn't go out of play and it doesn't come to a convenient point to stop the game, where do you go back and see it? I just think it's a bit of a difficult one in terms of where do you actually draw the line, where do you go and look at it? Um, and I think it's simpler really just to have trust the linesman. If they think it's offside, blow the whistle and and move on, I, I think that it's hard to draw the line, you know, it might go on for a few minutes playing. What well, I... you see, this is where I disagree, because obviously I'm a City fan, I watch City games, and an incident happened quite recently against West Brom in the 5-0 dribbling at the Hawthorns, where uh, the flag didn't go up until the ball was in the back of the net. It went on to VAR and turned out Bernardo Silva was onside, meaning that the goal stood. And I feel like 
that gives that has less pressure now on the officials because you know obviously if they get a, an obvious error wrong like they have in the past yeah they get slated abused and it's not nice to see and also it, it always gives you think of oh if this would have happened would they have won this game and with this new rule i think that can be eradicated there's no more bickering it's just this has happened this is true and that's what I like about the rule. But what I don't like about the rule is it spoils the game a bit because I've watched a couple of games where someone's thrown goal, he scores, and you think, oh, he's going to score, and then the flag goes up, and the disappointment is it's quite heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> seeing the flag go up, and then obviously it's offside. That's the, that's the bad thing about a game, and also it can bring injuries to the game. Yeah, I think that obviously there have been incidents with it this season, and... I know that after the it was in the FA Cup when Everton beat Tottenham and Carl Ancelotti now famously just sort of exhaled into his coffee. No, tea. Exhaled into his tea and they asked him why he didn't celebrate and he said he didn't know whether it was offside or not, so he didn't want to celebrate in case he got disallowed. And people have said that they feel it's taking the emotion out of the game, um, which is a big part of it. And was it Scott, Scott Parker said in an interview, Fulham manager? Uh, that the desire to sort of get everything right is killing off the game. But I, where, where do they draw the line with, um, with stopping the play if they think there's been an offside, if it doesn't go out of play? That is, that is a difficult point. But I feel like what VAR doesn't do right at the moment is they don't go back far enough. If a minute is gone, what I saw in the Champions League, which is very good, was that uh, Erling Haaland, I think, he scored a goal. And the goal was disallowed. But they also look at an incident that happened a couple of minutes ago because that was when the first time the ball, the play finished. And that's what I feel like doesn't happen in the Premier League. They don't go back far enough. So I think it's good to let play run. Obviously, if it's for five minutes, because if it was, if it, the only reason they'll probably check it, if it is if it results in a goal. And it, I think there's a rule that if it's a different phase of play, say they, Turn it back to yeah. halfway line, then the offside is ignored or whatever. Because I think it happened in the Chelsea game where there was a massive debate last season if it was a different phase or not with the offside. And I think I think they should just let it run because I remember I think 2018 there was an incident where obviously City again were playing <laughs> against Liverpool at Anfield when we got thrashed three 0 and I think. Who was it? So uh, we, one of our players was running in a goal and the flag went up to so place up and he was actually onside. And that's the problem with putting the flag up straight away is that errors do happen and they do happen more often than you think. Yeah. So that's the advantage of playing a late flag. Yeah, no, I can definitely see, I can definitely see the merits of it. I think that for me, the arguments against it are, and I don't have a really strong opinion about this particular issue is where, it comes to where does it actually matter, where does it not matter. I think that you make a good point that it should only count when there's a goal has been scored or it goes to a corner or something like that and the different phase of play rule, that makes sense. I think the only danger with that, whilst it obviously makes sense, the danger is that then it just becomes confusing. But I think that for football, I think for football it makes sense as a rule. But I'd be interested to know what you, the audience, think. So if you do have any strong opinions about this, uh, if you have any other case studies that aren't of Man City, uh, <laughs> Stoke obviously do not experience VAR in the Championship. 
I'd be interested to hear what you think. So get in touch with us. We're on Instagram at the casual footy fans podcast underscore. Um, get in touch. What do you think about, about this rule? Because I, I'm open to suggestions, but is there anything you'd like to say to conclude the debate apart from what you've already mentioned? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm quite happy. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I think you've, you've definitely opened me up to the idea. So what do you guys think? Get in touch at the casual footy fans podcast underscore. Welcome back and on to the next talking point, which is one of my own, as I said last week. This one, Sheffield, it's a shame. It's a, it's a shame, really, what's happened to them this season. Obviously, culminating in the sacking of Chris Wilder, their manager of almost five years. I and think he was there. Club. Yeah. club, club legend, took them from League One to the Championship. Their highest ever point haul. They finished ninth in the Championship last year. Um, they beat the Arsenal. Yes, the Premier League. Sorry, uh, they beat Arsenal. They beat Chelsea. They beat Tottenham last year. A brilliant, brilliant season for a newly promoted club. And this year, the wheels have fallen off, and Chris Wilder has been sacked. And I think it's a really sad situation because he's, as as we've just touched on, he's been at the club for such a long time. Um, five years is a really long time in football these days. And to take them from where they were to the Premier League, and you know, they were debates, weren't there, that they might be able to challenge for Europe this year. That is true. It's, um, it feels really odd the way that they've just dropped off. Yeah. And I think with the sacking, I think what it seems to be is that for me, I don't think that this sacking was for footballing reasons, if you will. Um, of course, this has been one of the worst ever Premier League seasons. They've currently got, is it 14 points? Uh, 14 points. 14 points. 28 games. And this time last year, they had 43. So that drop-off is quite, that's an immense drop. They've got four wins, two draws and 22 loss and the longest winless streak at the start of a campaign. It's now been 20 league games that are clean sheet. I don't think we need to talk about their season this year. Everybody knows, I'm sure, how bad the season has been. And if you don't, well, some of those stats, I think, show it. And the reason I think this sacking is sort of such a shame is obviously, we've said this two or three times already, we've been there for years, a boyhood club and a club legend to take them from so low to so high. But it's not, this is not the point in the season where you think, can we do something to stay up? Or would you, surely that? There's no chance that they're going to stay up now. I feel like it's too far for them now. And that performance against Leicester was obviously awful. Yeah. And they can't attack to save their lives. They can't finish anything. I feel like this has come out of nowhere, though. Because last season, they're brilliant defenders, brilliant attackers, loads of creativity. They were winning big games, small games. They were brilliant to watch, brilliant to play, giving everybody a run. And this season, they've just capitulated and I think there was the start of seeing that at the end of last season where they after the COVID break they started falling off the rails a bit they went from like fifth didn't they to I think ninth or eleventh they really dropped off in the end and I I didn't see this coming but second season syndrome is something that seems to happen quite a lot in the Premier and it's not overly shocking that they're yeah. not doing like they're doing last seasons because I think 
last season, obviously, you start winning games, you get momentum, that is motivation for you to carry on playing. And when you start on a losing run, especially, I think what Sheffield United should have done was change manager earlier. I know it sounds harsh. I disagree. But it's happened in the past. Say, Sunderland have had some miracle escapes. So they've changed, they've said, scrap this manager, we're getting a new manager, and they've miraculously gotten out of the top, 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 at bottom three, and they've survived. And I think if Sheffield United looked at the season and thought before Christmas, okay, this isn't working, we have, because obviously they had a good transfer window. They've brought in Ryan Brewster, he's a brilliant player. I'm pretty sure they brought in some defenders as well. They had a good transfer window. They spent quite a lot of money. They had a, yeah. a good chance as well. And they haven't really been affected that much by injuries, I don't feel, either. So I think a change of management, as it would have been harsh, I think that should have happened earlier. I think it's difficult. It's difficult to say that now, obviously, with hindsight. But I read that it's possibly not, as I touched on, not for footballing reasons, because, you know, staying in the Premier League is surely now out of the question. If you do disagree, yeah. get in touch with us on the Instagram. But um, I read that it's possibly a disagreement with an owner, which I think makes more sense than footballing reasons that they that they disagreed on something. Um, and that's why they parted company, because I think one reason, a brilliant reason to keep Chris Wilder was the fans loved him. You know, even when they were looking like they were getting relegated a few months ago, I heard fans on um, online and on the radio saying, no, we still want Chris Wilder. He's still, maybe we don't stay up this season. And this was months ago. And it's that's, that's out of the question now. But he plays great football and he knows that club and he knows how to get them promoted. And he's done it countless times. He could do it again. So it must be surely other reasons that they've been, that they part of the company that are disagreeing with. I might disagree with you a bit here because I feel like getting a new manager, obviously it brings, it seems to bring new hope to a club. All the time yeah. in the manager, they seem to be a club might have a mini revival, isn't it? Obviously I can't see them getting out with a bottom three at the moment, but it could be a rebuild ready for the championship. And obviously something wasn't working. And you were saying how fans were backing him. The thing with football now is it becoming less of a hobby, less of a game, less of an entertainment, more of a company, a business, a way to make money. And obviously, you make more money if you stay in the Premier League. And maybe the board weren't happy with his decisions money-wise because obviously he wasted quite a lot of money in the transfer window, twenty-four million on a bench player. And for a club like Sheffield United, that is obscene amount. Yeah, I believe that might have been another reason why he was sacked. On the look into the future, and obviously, uh, as far as I'm aware, they haven't appointed any other managers. I was reading about potential replacements, and Eddie Howe's name was in the mix. And I think he'd be a really great choice from the ones there. He was sort of um, of the names that were thrown in the ring on the particular article that I read. I can't remember where I read it now. He was one of the more household names, if you will. But I think he'd be a brilliant choice. He's a Premier League manager. He was a Premier League manager for a long time. Of course... Brighton, Brighton. what am I talking about? Bournemouth got relegated last year. But he has experience in the Premier League of keeping a club, a small club, um, in the league for a long time. It didn't didn't work out long... Well, it did work out long-term, but they went down. He also has experience of promotion and getting into the Premier League. And of those managers, I thought he seemed the most qualified for the position if it's something that the owner and... 
Eddie Howe himself wants, mm. but I thought he'd be a good fit. I don't know what, what you thought of that. Well, I think with that, with you saying that they, they, he's good at staying in the Premier League, my concern now is when they, well, if they go down, but it's more of when they go down, can they get up? Because it was quite a shock when Sheffield United got promoted from the Championship. They weren't a top Championship team. They didn't have a lot of money. They weren't going there all season in the playoffs. It was quite a shock for them to do quite well. So that's why I fear that they might have, they might struggle to come back to the top because now you actually have quite a lot of good teams in the Championship. This season, the playoffs is quite crazy, as always. You've yeah. got 10 teams going for the playoffs. And I think that's why it's so difficult in the championship. Yeah. To back to back or to go down and come straight back up. Obviously, oh, yeah. not seems to be doing it this season, but I think they have quite a lot of money compared to other clubs. But I do feel like it's so difficult. Championship is probably one of the most difficult leagues to predict because obviously. Who thought Derby were a risky relegation this season? Not many people. No. It's very an odd league. So that's why I think they'll struggle to come back up. And I don't think we'll see Sheffield United for a, for a long time now. Well, yeah, it's it's the same. And I'm obviously a casual Stoke fan. And we've been there for, <laughs> for a good few seasons. And last season, it looked like if it hadn't been for our post-COVID run of playing brilliant football and scoring lots of goals... We were at risk of relegation, and it's a it's a hard, hard league. Sunderland, you know, they dropped through the championship when they got relegated, and I don't think that'll happen to Sheffield. I could very well be wrong, um, and I hope I'm not because it, it's hard to see clubs just falling through, falling through like that. But is there anyone that you've seen who you thought would be a good fit? Do you think Eddie Howe could do it with them? I think Eddie Howe would be. I think it'd be really interesting to play because. Bournemouth, kind of a similar team to Sheffield United. They've come up through the ranks. They're quite a new club, which is starting to bloom. I think it'd be quite interesting. But I'm not sure if he fits the kind of play because Bournemouth are more of a attacking team as they not as much as a defend than hit on the counter as Sheffield United. They have always the well they had in the Premier League, they had quicker, more creative players. Where you look at Sheffield United, you got John Egan. You got players more suited for a Burnley-like team, I feel like. But it would be very interesting to see Eddie Howe because I lo- I really like Bourne with his team. I thought Eddie Howe was a brilliant manager, and I'd like to see him yeah. back. Yeah, me too. I I would like to see him back, and hopefully, hopefully we can see him back. I think he'd be a good fit, and hopefully, if he does, he can pilot them. But you say they're a good a good sort of defensive team. I saw some of the um, some of the Leicester match. Um, Leicester Sheffield match and they were really not a good defensive team and evidently they were managerless um, and they've had a terrible season but goodness me it was 5-0, they conceded 5 there were two other clear chances for Leicester it could easily have been 7 and it was, from everything I saw it was far too easy for um, for Leicester, the, the first goal it was just passing through players and it was it was really not hard to watch, but it was, man, it was difficult for Sheffield out there just passing straight through through the lines between players. You know, players, there were some nice goals from Leicester from sort of the edge of the box, but no pressure and, as I say, just no tracking back. Too easy by Leicester. No desire to win. 
No, uh, and and I think there was the the fourth goal uh, from Iannaccio, a brilliant strike. But again, just no pressure. And I think the fifth and the first goals, especially, were just boom, just straight through the lines and no attempt made. It, there's some stats here. Um, Leicester had ten shots on target. Sheffield United had zero. Uh, Sheffield had a total of one shot. And despite all that, they still had less tackles than Leicester. 14 tackles versus 19. I still don't know where they've gone wrong this season. Because we're going I was going to ask you that. They signed Ampadu, good young defender, plays for Wales. Yeah. Ramsdale came from Bournemouth. He's brilliant at Bournemouth. Lots of clean sheet. Young as well, goalkeeper. And then Rune Brewster, obviously, played for Liverpool a couple of games. I know he wasn't a starter, but still... He's had that experience of being in that high-quality academy, being coached by a really good manager. So, surely he has some quality. And they just... I don't know what's happened to them. It's, they've just gone downhill. It's, it's quite odd to see them. And as I say, the performance against Leicester, I, I didn't describe it very well, but it was, it was ridiculous just how Leicester could just pass straight to players and there was no pressure. It was... And if, they, if that carries on in the... In the championship, and I don't say it will because they will get a manager in and they will get organised. It will be really difficult for them, and I don't know if they will bounce straight back up, as you say. Um, but obviously, it's a hard time for them. And, you know, it'd be good to see them pick up some form and not drop straight through the leagues below the Premier League. Um, but as we said, it's 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 sad to see Chris Wilder go. I think you'd agree. Yes, I would agree. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that club. So the next point I'd like to talk about is the North London derby. Obviously, Arsenal came out victorious, 2-1 in the end. It was a thrilling match, they always are. Lots of goals, lots of talking points, lots of action. It was a brilliant game. But I want to mainly talk about is that can Arsenal or Spurs actually get anything from this season because obviously they're now thought obviously Arsenal are quite low 10th in the Premier League I think quite a lot off European football and after that loss Tottenham can't find to can't find the consistency that they need to rack up wins to get up into top four top six European spots and I think I'm not sure if they can at the moment because Arsenal I feel are too low they're, yeah. they're really good now at the moment, actually. Watching them against Tottenham, they dominated the game on top. 90 minutes nearly, only except for a couple of moments of magic from Tottenham, obviously, that Ravona goal, which is beautiful. But I feel if this Arsenal team was like this from the start of the season, they could they could have gone for top four because now Odegaard, he's brilliant. Saka is brilliant. Lacazette is a new man. He's really good on the ball, his finishing's better, movement. I feel like I want I think Arsenal if they play like this, they could possibly go for top six. But I think it's so unfortunate that they had such a bad start to the season and it's just ruined their Premier League season. I think it's quite actually hard to overstate how bad the beginning of the Arsenal seasons was. They were got as low as fourteenth and there were rumors flying around that they were throwing in clauses into people's contracts if they got relegated. And that was a debate that people were having. Could Arsenal even get relegated? It's hard to say just how bad it was. And they've climbed back up. And since 
since Christmas, I think they've had the fourth most points. I saw a stat that mm. may not be true, but they've certainly been on a good run. And the young players are being a big part of that. You touched on a lot of them there. Emile Smith Rowe, an extra player that um, has had a big mm. impact. Saka, as you say, he slept in your fancy football team. Cheeky. Uh, <laughs> but how many points are they on now, do you know? They're on 40... I think they're two points away from Liverpool, I think. Or two or three, which is quite good for, obviously, yeah. Liverpool were top of the league at Christmas and Arsenal were down in 12th, 13th. And I think they've made up the gap. And I think they could get top four if they carry on playing like top this. Top four? Not top four, top top six, top seven, six. six or seven. Yeah. And then you also got to think about that they still have the Europa League to fall back on, to uh, Arsenal. Because obviously they haven't been great in Europe in the past. They always lose in, in the round of 16 or whatever, in the Champions League, in the Euro, Europa League. But I think this is honestly a really good chance for them because you do have other teams that they might have to face, like AC Milan, United is still there, and even Tottenham. But I feel like Arsenal this season, if they're going to win the Europa League, because they're playing in good form, they have quite a lot of good players in the moment. And the yeah. manager seems to got on right the right starting eleven. I feel like this could be their season for Europa League. That's interesting. I I don't I don't disagree with you. I personally am more on the Tottenham camp. I think Tottenham have been playing so so well in the Europa League, and they've scored so many goals and. You know, they haven't been playing against big-name opponents, that's fair to say, um, any of the massive Europa League clubs, but they are not slipping up. And we know that Mourinho can do it in the Europa League. He's done it with United. Um, and I certainly think that Mourinho has the potential, the squad have the potential, they seem up for it in the Europa League. They play, they play well, they get the job done. They seem to have fun. Um, mm. I believe that they could do it this year. Can you imagine a final, a chance, and a Europa League final, uh, if it's even possible? It Arsenal versus Tottenham. That would be brilliant. It'd be similar to the Chelsea v Arsenal final, which obviously Chelsea came on top. I think the problem that the North London derby sides have at the moment, though, is that they're so inconsistent. They're so good at throwing away points like Arsenal versus Burnley yeah it could have been three nil up at half time but they gave away a goal and was it was one one I feel like they lack the they can't control games like they want they just well, do something stupid and then they concede a goal and that's the problem with the clubs especially Tottenham I feel like against what was it Crystal Palace dominated the game I know they won four yeah. one but they still conceded to Crystal Palace and that that can spark a mini revival and Crystal Palace can come back. And Tottenham are just such an odd team. They've been their form has been so crazy of the this season. It's been up and down constantly and they can't seem to get a run. Just, and just when it looks like yeah. they're getting a run together, it gets knocked on the head like it has this weekend. Exactly. And it's it's crazy because they have really good players and they have a brilliant manager. And going now to the EFL Cup. The final, yeah. can they get anything from that? Personally, no, because who are they against? Sorry, City, and that is a problem. The thing is, I feel like City are quite normally 
we're quite well in finals. We normally, well, normally win them. And I feel like it's probably going to be the same kind of situation here in the EFL Cup. Because Tottenham, I just don't think they have it in them. To how how do you think it would be possible for them to beat City? How do you think they could do it? As a City fan, you've watched them a lot. What can they do to beat them? Maybe the introduction of fans could help Tottenham. That is a possibility because they're thinking now that might be the first game back when they introduce 10,000 fans on each side because Wembley is such a big stadium, you can obviously spread people out. I think, obviously, Tottenham are quite an unlucky team with injuries because now Son, Son, I'm not sure how long he's out injured, but he came off in yeah. the London derby. He could be out for a while. And they, if they have the, all their players... And another City might have sights on bigger things. They might be prioritising Champions League. They might have to rotate. But obviously, now the Premier League is quite finished. Well, I, I don't want to say Ooh. that. To, but, but with with ten games to go, can United build on an eleven point gap? They could, but then again, I'm not sure if I can. They have to make up a point per game on City. You can't really see that happening. Yeah, we need, what was it, I think, three wins and one draws to wrap up the title, or four oh. wins, one draw. So, and at the form currently, yeah, we had that little bump against United. But straight back against Fulham. Brisbane, much in Gladbach, was a breeze. I can't see us throwing it away, but you never know. Yeah. How, yeah, I think it's fair to say that, especially for, well, for Arsenal the only reason they can get sixth or seventh is they're relying on other clubs to have a really bad run as well as True. them having a good run. But I think that Tottenham can get there by themselves if they play that well. And yeah, the, the cup's going to be difficult for them against City. Uh, that, that is a golden opportunity for Tottenham. And I think that they have to surely throw everything. They have to prioritise that because that is a trophy. And trophy, honestly... If they yeah. don't win anything this season and Mourinho leaves, I, I'm, they're going to find it difficult to keep their players because you can't go that long with that such good pool of players without winning a trophy. Surely they're going to have to... The players are going to have to start to think about other clubs to leave, especially your Kane, your yeah. Son, your big-name players, especially the younger ones, the ones who have a career ahead and... They obviously want to win trophies. And if you're stuck at a side who lose to, lose to Colchester on penalties in the EFL Cup, you're not going to be able to do that. You don't want to say it at the club, do you? That's fair enough. To conclude this debate, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Who do you think is more likely to win a trophy, any trophy, this season? Tottenham or Arsenal? Bold, bold. But yeah. I think I'm going to go Arsenal for the Europa League. That is bold. We'll see. We'll see. So, uh, as the last sort of little section of this podcast, uh, for those of you who are unaware, we both make predictions on the um, sort of game weeks, each week's Premier League games. And if you'd like to see all of our predictions, they're available on our Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. So make sure you check us out on there. And this week, once again, we've both been caught out by the same match. We both slipped up on Burnley-Everton. Um, yes. I predicted a 2-0 win for Everton. You predicted a 1-0 win for Everton. 
and Burnley won 2-1. Um, what, what's gone wrong? I honestly don't know. This Everton team throws surprises at you every week. They're such a weird team to try and predict because obviously great run of form, then they lose to Fulham. Great run of form again, then they lose to Burnley. Not known for their attacking style. You surely think, because Everton, they have a brilliant defence, a brilliant attack, a brilliant midfield. How are they losing these small games? Where is it going wrong for them? And I honestly am baffled that they can go on and lose such a game after being on such good form. It, they're such a weird team at the moment because they seem like they're going for top four and they're not want to go to the top four and then they go again because they have obviously probably one of the best managers in the league as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. And he's proven a proven Champions League winner. Yeah, he's won the Champions League, I think, and Ancelotti. But I think that Burnley yeah, as well. got the second most Champions League wins of every manager, I think. Yeah, but Burnley were a really gritty team and they they were in this league. They are in the Premier League for a long time. And I think <laughs> Sean, Dyches, Sean Dyches, he's done a brilliant job at Burnley to get them and keep them in the Premier League. And of course, uh, for those of you who have seen the goal, it wasn't a it wasn't a routine it wasn't a routine goal. It was an absolute world class sort of put it in top bins from outside the box. It was a it was a individual piece of skill which was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Just... But they won the game on that and uh, may not be how you expect Burnley to win the game. It certainly wasn't from a corner. <laughs> but they got the job done. And I'm wondering, does this mean that Burnley are safe? Brighton won over the weekend as well? Well, I, I, that is quite interesting. But I feel like Burnley are... In the last few... Obviously, they had that season where I think they got Europa League. And I feel like after that, they've slowly, slowly... Bit crawling down down yeah and i don't want them to go down because i love burnley because it's such a banter brexit club it's brilliant (laughs) but i don't know can they because obviously you think bottom is much tighter than you think they're on 32 points you got your fulham who still isn't a chance i think they're a couple of points behind brighton and even southampton now they look I think, especially with the loss at the weekend to Brighton, that was a exactly. real. That's a, that I think that's fair to say that's a six pointer at this point. Yeah, and it's the relegation is actually fighting to be quite interesting. And I think I don't think Burnley get relegated because they always seem never to get relegated. They have yeah. a sticky situation and they always come through. Because at the start of the season, they weren't doing that well. I'm pretty sure they were in the relegation, like actually in the relegation yeah. zone for a, for quite quite a while. And I feel like. Burnley always seem to pull off wins. They, <laughs> they're an odd club and it's quite an interesting club to watch. But yeah, Burnley, um, as we record this, they have 33 points. Fulham uh, in 18, they're on 26. So that is a seven-point buffer, which you think would... Yeah, you think they would be safe. Enough. But it is 10 games and 10 games is... More than you think, 10 games yeah. have possible of 30 points. Obviously, I'm not saying they're going to win their next 10 games. <laughs> but I feel like, especially at the bottom, a few games... Because I think, who's playing? Newcastle? Burnley are playing, Burnley playing Southampton. Oh, my goodness. These next Newcastle games, Brighton aren't playing. 
Newcastle uh, Brighton. Um, yeah, Newcastle yeah. Brighton is on on Saturday the twentieth. That could be quite big. As well as and Southampton and Burnley, they're playing each other next. And I feel like we haven't realised since quite recent that actually the bottom is quite interesting now because even even Wolves don't look safe because Newcastle, Brighton, obviously Fulham, Fulham have I think nine points off Wolves. But all that takes is Wolves to lose three games less than thing. And that could honestly happen with the inconsistency in the league. And I feel like, obviously, Newcastle and Brighton have games in hand over Fulham, but they are playing against each other, so they yeah. can't both win. But I feel like it's so tight at the bottom. And I feel like anybody from Southampton, Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle or Fulham could possibly go down. Well, unbelievably, unbelievable given that Southampton were top of the league at one point, they currently have the same amount of points, games played, as Burnley. So I think that it's very difficult to call this debate now. Southampton will have one win. Each of Southampton, Burnley, Brighton have got one win and then their last five. Newcastle have lost two, drawn three. But I think that after the next games, next set of games, we have Brighton against Newcastle and Burnley against Southampton. We may be in a much better place to assess this race, and then I agree. place to talk about who's going to get relegated. We can uh, we can't promise that, but we can. And Fulham as well are playing against Leeds. They could. It get could happen, win. yeah, and that could That's be. The thing. You don't. Anything can happen. It's. Pretty crazy at the moment. How it's a very crazy. So I think we've both great season this season. A brilliant, a brilliant season. It's a shame, really, that it looked like we had such a close title race, um, and then you decided that you didn't want that. <laughs> we decided to play well, and the rest of the league decided to play awful. That's a, that's a bit tight. That's a bit tight. But I think we both realised there that Burnley. Are not safe. It was a good result, put a spanner in our works, but they're not safe, and we'll be in a much better place to discuss relegation after these next set of games. Because obviously, if Burnley would have lost that game, which they were obviously underdogs, they would have been on thirty points, which is really Burnley shaky. Four points from Fulham, which is actually quite close to the relegation Very that lost in a draw, and I I do feel like Fulham can stay up, and I want them to stay up because I like watching Fulham. Uh, yeah, they played. They played very against City. I think they were the better team in the first ten minutes. They were brilliant off the bat. They were quite unlucky to lose three 0 with such a big margin. I feel like my City might have turned up the game in the second half. But I do like how Fulham play, and they were very. I feel like they definitely have the potential to go far and get out of the relegation zone. We'll see. We'll see. But I think that we can. Uh, we can say that. After these next games, we'll have a better idea. So we can we can talk about it then. Yes, I agree. So that was another episode of the Casual Footy Fans podcast. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. And we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Um, another episode in the books. We've got plenty more on the way. So to keep up on all of our episodes, make sure you check us out on Spotify, the Casual Footy Fan Podcast. We've got episodes coming with interviewing fans, talking about latest debates. You know what we do. 
We're also on Instagram. You can see our predictions at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. And let us know what you think. Any suggestions, any feedback on our predictions on the podcast, any ideas, get in touch. Keep listening. Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore on Instagram. Stay in touch and we'll see you next time. Thank you.